When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 385 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Rafa Albamui. And since you can hear that I am still not in any way 100%, we have a pretty straightforward show today. Champions League group stage draw and Man City friendly. Sound good, Rafa? Sounds perfect to me. I got a lot lot of stuff to say, so (laughs) that's perfect. All right, well, let's start with that Champions League draw, which was today, and we'll work our way backwards chronologically. But we start with Barca's group. Obviously, we have some opinions about some of the other groups, but starting with Barca's group, it's Bayern, Barca, Inter Milan, and Victoria Pleasant. Group H with PSG, Juve, Benfica, and Maccabi is the only group as close to as difficult, but clearly a group of death does exist, and Barcelona is in it this time around. So starting with Victoria from the Czech Republic, since they sold attacking midfielder Adam uh, Halozek to Leverkusen, I did not know a single player in their squad. That was the one player that I knew for since what he came up when he was 17. He's 19 now. So for the last two years, that was the one player I knew on Vitoria in the Czech Republic. But now I don't know a single player. Apparently, Jindrik Stenek is their goalkeeper and he's their best player. He's their most highest valued market player and a major reason they find themselves in this Champions League group stage. They have been there before. It is not their first time. They played actually against Barcelona back in the Pep Guardiola era, uh, if you remember. Well, I, it's not that I remember those games. It's that when I watch those compilations and you see the documentaries and all that stuff, they always have some Victoria footage in there because <laughs> it's a good reminder that Barcelona used to score a lot of goals, both home and away on European nights. So you always get to see Victoria highlights there. But the big one here, 
is obviously Bayern Munich. That is the matchup that we're going to talk about. Because honestly, Rafa, I want to do Inter Milan last because I think that's actually the talking point, right? That's where the group is going to be won or lost. But for Bayern Munich, yeah, I mean, of course, the memes, the lols, the trolls, out in full effect. Dan, I saw, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, freaking Thomas Mueller posted a video like, hey, I can't wait to see you. Lewandowski. (laughs) I was like, dude, I honestly, I'll admit it. I got PTSD with Thomas Mueller. Every time I see him, it only brings back bad memories. Like that, he's one of those players that I hate because of how good he is. So every time that I see him, it's like, oh my God, go away, dude. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think there's that much to add in the sense that, of course, we literally, we probably got the worst team you could face, even though we now have Robert Lewandowski, but it's not like Bayern are like stop being the juggernaut that they are. And on top of that, they added (laughs) Sadio Mane along with other players, but like Sadio Mane up top, that's, I'm just worried about all the havoc he's going to cost against us. But that being said, I do think obviously compared to, especially last year, you can't compare the squad that we have right now with the one that we had last year facing Bayern. I mean, our, Two strikers in the game and the camp no last season were Memphis and Luke the Young. Yeah. Now, hopefully, we still don't know the schedule because that's going to come out, I think, either Friday or Saturday. I don't know. And I think the schedule will say a lot about how this group unfolds because if we play against Bayern, let's say the first fixture or the second fixture, and then we play against them the fifth and last fixture or last fixture – that would be the best case scenario, in my opinion. And if we get Victoria Pilsen, like the, the back-to-back games, that would be amazing. But again, not to get distracted with Bayern. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. But I know that the memes, the running jokes and whatnot. But, I mean, barring injuries, and hopefully we don't have any injuries when we face them. I mean, this, I'm not saying we're going to beat them but it should be a way more contested matchup than last year, than the famous 8-2 game, which basically it was like the end of the great Luis Enrique run of that team. So honestly, I'm excited. I'm I, At first, I wasn't excited. I was live on YouTube. I was really mad that we got by it. But thinking about it and the more and more I think about it, it's just like, like, dude, like we got to be confident. Like we're freaking FC Barcelona. We now have a really deep squad that I know by and Bayern also have new players that a little bit here and there. We still have to see how they perform against a top, top team. And Barcelona right now, not, I mean, are in a way on paper, at least a top, top team with the players that we've added. So again, we do, we have to adapt a little bit to the new players, but I think so do they, because no offense to the Bundesliga. Yes, right now they're, they're running rampant on the Bundesliga. But been for 10 years, they've been doing it for a decade. I mean, exactly. Nothing new. <laughs> so to me, that's like, if we, we got to take a pitch. Now, we, I know we're not going to play like Villarreal did, but we got to take a pitch out of that, that book. And like mentality wise, like, if Villarreal, again, no offense to Villarreal, but if Villarreal eliminated them, then at least we're talking about 
we can draw against him. Like, come on. that That's positive attitude. That's what I, I want to get at. Well, yeah, for sure. It's still just 11 against 11. And again, on paper, Barcelona has few excuses to get blown off the pitch. And they also have few excuses not to be able to play with Bayern Munich. I mean, one of the themes that I saw against uh, Juve, uh, Juve, and now Juve is not like the glorious Juve that they were even two or three years ago themselves. But Barcelona so far, regardless of their opponent in preseason or the first few matches of the year, there's no reason why they can't play with anybody for stretches of the game. You know, putting it a 90-minute performance, winning a knockout competition, that's a different level. This team is not yet gelled to, not yet at. Of course, they added, they added all these pieces. They have yet to even add a piece that they have who's playing just in friendlies or in the last preseason game. But so, yes, they should be competitive against Bayern Munich. And unfortunately, yeah, the two real, I think the two unfortunate things about having to see Bayern Munich in the Champions League is one, Bayern's attack looks even more dangerous now that I've seen them. Uh, I, I mean, I unfortunately did get to see the Eintracht Frankfurt Bayern Munich just demolition. Uh, so that was probably their most comprehensive win. That was the one that I tuned into. But now it's like playing whack-a-mole up top. And unlike when it was Lewandowski, where, you know, those center backs had to worry about who was handing him off to who and where's Lewandowski at all times. Now it's really just whack-a-mole up top with Sadio Mane, Gnabry, Sané, Muller, Musiala. Uh, and Musiala, of all of those, might be the most dangerous player because we know who Muller is. Sadio Mane is, I mean, he's he has been the most dangerous because he can play on both wings. He's been playing up through the middle, which is devastating. Mane's speed up through the middle, it's devastating, especially against Bundesliga defenses. Uh, and again, you have Gnabry and you have Sané as well. And yeah, then part two of that, uh, the other frustrating thing I'll say is seeing both Pavard and Masrawi both profiling as the exact right backs so that Xavi wants. That's a tough one. You know, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but again, it is 11 against 11. And very much like you and I discussed the last time you were on or the time before that, that, you know, Barcelona needs nine or 10 of their players on paper to be just as good. And they need to bring along those other one or two fullback or whoever it may be. I say fullback, but whoever the other exceptions might be, if there are players out injured or let's say, you know, Busquets has a red card, you know, because how important we'll talk about he is right now to this team, then Barcelona just going to have to in one or two positions fill in and figure it out. But Bayern Munich, depth-wise, they still have the edge on Barcelona. So depth-wise, in, in, at no point in their season are they concerned that they don't have great players coming off the bench. Now, Barcelona, the same thing. And I think depth, to talk about now the fourth team in the draw in Inter Milan, that's why I think Barcelona still have the edge here. They do need to be Inter Milan, right? Bayern Munich is probably going to win the group. And I want to remind you, too, that winning the group or getting second in the group doesn't really matter as much because I never really remember who won the Champions League, whether they won the group or came second. It, it doesn't really, it never really factors in, you know, because by the quarterfinal, we have to play other teams or, or by the semifinal, it doesn't matter. It's the big, the big teams. So they do need to be Inter Milan, who finished second in Serie A last season, two points behind AC Milan, who just nipped them uh, with five games to spare to go in the title race. So with all the investment that Inter Milan have received from new owners, what they they're either first or I think they're first in terms of owner investment over the last five years. Of course, they have a good team and a team that knows each other well. They also have some continuity as well. Lukaku, Martinez, Brozovic, Barella, Dumfries, Gozins, you know, that same back three of Defray, Bastoni, Grinziar, Handanovic in net, Chalinalu still doing his thing. But again, Barca on paper is better player for player. You know, Barella probably has a spot in Barca's midfield, but I don't know who you pump out of the starting 11 for Barca to get him in there. Honestly, the, th the thing about Inter Milan, I do agree. Barcelona on paper is the better, well, has the better players. But at the end of the day, if we don't beat Inter Milan 
and finish second, then what are we doing? We do have the responsibility after everything that we've spent and uh, all the players that we've brought in, we have to at least finish second in this group. And uh, I know we're talking about Inter Milan, but I think we, we Barcelona and Inter Milan too, we got to be worried about Victoria Pilsen because if either one of us draws against Victoria Pilsen, I think it's over for that team to try and finish second. Because let's be honest, I know we can fight against Bayern and we're going to try and win and whatnot. But if either me, Inter or Barcelona draw against Victoria Pilsen, whether it's home or away, that's a tough thing to come back from, especially when you got Bayern in your group. So at the end of the day, it's it's I, honestly, I think the schedule is going to tell who, in my opinion, would be the favorite to finish second in this group. And on top of that, we also, like you said, we we can be here talking about the group for four hours. And then when the game comes, if a specific player for each team is out, whether it's injury, suspension, and whatnot, that changes the whole dynamic of the team. Like right now, I don't I don't know if Brozovic is 100% or even, I don't even know if he's playing or whatnot. But, like, if they don't have a player like that, or even Barella, like you said, that's that's a game changer for them. And for us, if we don't have a Lewandowski or an Ansu Fati, like, players that can literally pull a rabbit out of the hat in that aspect, then, of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a different analysis of, of the game, whether it's at the Camp Nou or at San Siro. So... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, obviously, it's not, I, w I didn't want Inter Milan from, from uh, pot three. But that being said, if Barcelona don't go through to the round of 16, then it'll be a huge, huge, I don't, I don't even want to say the word, but. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, 
and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Well, it would be a disappointment. It would be. And I think, because you're right, because I think the pathway to to falling out is obviously losing to Inter Milan. But it's true that that match against Victoria in the Czech Republic is going to be the key. Because you're right, a draw against them could be the death of either of these teams. You know, and and I think for Barcelona, I, I think, you know, after the Europa League thing last year, I think the disappointment of the draw comes from the fact that there is no easy draw in the Champions League. That's true, but also, you know, we, yeah, exactly. Let's let's not sugarcoat things. Like looking at these some of these other groups, like Group D, Eintracht Frankfurt is fine. They're they're a decent team. Again, they beat Barcelona last year. They won the Europa League and they've returned a ton of different players. But if Tottenham Hotspur can't get out of a group with Sporting CP, Marseille, and Eintracht Frankfurt, you know, Tottenham has to reevaluate their <laughs> their plan as well. And and then looking at Group F, right? Real Madrid with uh, RB Leipzig, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Celtic. Real Madrid oh. easily blow apart that group, but there's also the same team that won the Champions League, having lost to Sheriff last year, the, the team from Moldova, right? Group G, Man City. Uh, unless Sevilla, I mean, they have to turn something around. You know, Sevilla can't be as bad as they currently are at this moment. Uh, same thing with actually Borussia Dortmund, very, very similar Sevilla and Dortmund. There's no way that they're this bad. And then FC Copenhagen is, is rounds out that group. Man City should obliterate the competition at this point, at this juncture. Uh, and then even Group B, Porto, Atletico Madrid. Bayer Leverkusen, Club Rouge. I mean, Atleti has to take that seriously, but in the same respect, they should be the favorites. But I mean, Porto, many, 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 many times have made it to the knockouts by catching either Atletico Madrid or a Bayer Leverkusen, one of those other teams that you think we're going to pip them for that because they're from a bigger league, if you will. Then there's Bayer Leverkusen as well, who just have a lot of, I will say volatility, but in a good way, because they have so many young players who could just come out and cause some havoc in Madrid. And then Atleti are now trailing, right? And as long as they don't get two results. But Atleti should go through. And then for Group A, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, and Rangers, uh, the two Scottish teams for the first time in a very, very, very long time, or if ever, I have to check on that. But yeah, Liverpool should easily go through in that group. So then the only other groups other than Barca's that are really question marks are the AC Milan, Chelsea, Red Bull, Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb. But that should be AC Milan, Chelsea rather easily. But hey, Salzburg did it last year. They could do it again. And then for Group H, PSG, Juve, Benfica, and Maccabee. Unfortunately, Maccabee, you're probably in fourth place in that group. But don't count up Benfica when it comes to Juve and PSG because Barcelona did the same thing last year. And even having sold Darwin Nunez, Benfica always seemed to have enough talent. And again, when it comes to those big European nights, I mean, Benfica is one of the, has, has one of the best. That stadium in Lisbon is just a cathedral and one of the best stadiums in Europe. So for Barcelona, you know, I, I think that they... And Kool-Aid's understand that they are going to have to be the top team, right? Like, you know, there's no, if they slip by Bayern or they finish second in the group, then maybe they're good enough to win the Champions League. Maybe then they put something together. You know, it's always this sense. And I think until proven otherwise, Barca have to be the best team to go far in the Champions League because they do not, it's been a long, long time before they cobbled together a, a run of games in the Champions League when they, they weren't necessarily the best team. It's been a long time. I mean, I would argue maybe going back to 2006, that might be the last run where they were on par with the teams around them 
and they may not even have been the best team heading into that final against Arsenal. But Arsenal was surely on in 2006. They were on their their final days of the Invincible squad and all that stuff. So, you know, that would probably be the last time I'd argue that Barcelona, you know, won a few matches in the Champions League back to back to back to back when they weren't just flying high. So final point here from the Champions League draw. Rafa, or do you want to move on to the ALS charity friendly? No, no, no I agree. I just, I just wanted to add to, to your point that I completely agree. And in my opinion, it kind of sucks that for us to have a chance at winning the Champions League, more often than not, we need to be really, really good while Madrid can not be good and literally win a Champions League like they did last year. Because to me, it's mind-blowing. I just, I know, I, I still haven't gotten over it. But it, to me, it's just mind-blowing how horrible they were. Literally saving them, Courtois and Benzema, back to back to back to back. And they were, I, I like, to me... The, the the it's just I mean I don't want to go over the edge but I, I agree what I want to get at that it it I would like that not to be true but sadly it is for us to more often history says it we need to be really good to win the Champions League while other teams just have that in them that they can be bad and just survive 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 and eventually get to a final and then. A final, it's just one freaking game and anything can happen. And then it is what it is. So that, that'll that be interesting because I don't think yet. And to me, that's like kind of, it could be the, the weak point against a Bayern team in a way, because I still think Xavi, I'm, as much as I like him, I think he's going to be a great, great coach. But I think in a way, he's still figuring things out himself as a coach at the top, top level. And to me, it's just Xavi still tinkering with everything with himself as a coach yeah. with all the great players and the pressure that he has now because La Porta basically gave him all the toys that he wanted bar one or two we'll see if he gets them or not um so it's like Xavi like you have to perform now as a coach and get this team to gel because you, we got you almost all the ingredients you wanted so Nothing. I just wanted to get that off my chest. That it's it's just it remains to be seen, and hopefully Xavi does it. Whether he can get this team to gel to play good enough for us to be contenders in this year's Champions League. Yeah, I mean, and now transitioning to that Man City friendly. I, I mean, it's just a friendly, but it's hard not to try to learn something from a match against such a talented team on the other side, even though you're playing some academy players. Very much like the way Barcelona is saying, hey, can Balbe fill in from the academy? Can he be one of those players? Man City is doing the same thing. I mean, they have a little more depth in their squad, sure. And most of those academy players we saw for Man City will not be, I mean, outside of the Carabao Cup, they will not be seeing the field for Pep Guardiola this season. But, you know, who knows about Balbe? But, you know, as I said, most importantly, 91,000 fans on the Spotify camp new to raise funds for the ALS research in honor of former coach Juan Carlos Unze. I mean, I, I do wonder... If the 91,000 there, you know, there, there is something about them, that being Barcelona, filling up the stadium for the Femini on these on that occasion, twice last year, on those occasions, I should say, and then filling it up for this charity match, which came on a, you know, on a Wednesday. It was a weird thing because the season has just begun and having a, a preseason friendly that a team has to travel for. It's, it is a bit odd because it's happening again after the season has already begun. Um, but again, it was for a good cause. So again, big picture here. To me, it felt like it was an event. It felt like people are kind of ready to go back in the stadium 
not when they're told to, but for a number of reasons, you know, they're able to push through hopefully negative results, right? Like under Kuman, Ryavao Kano, that zero zero, you know, if he, I mean, Kuman didn't really start last season very well either. So if he had started, that being Kuman was the zero zero against Ryavao Kano, I think the Camp No jumps down to 45,000 people or 40 or 35,000 people. But I think this season, especially the new signings, you know, they've revitalized people and people are excited again. So again, we're going to try to see what we can learn from it. And I, I think what I said against Bayern is against Man City was kind of the same thing. Barca has the ability to play as good, even in this moment, as any team for stretches of any game. They have the ability to just show up, to put some things together. And the game was kind of thrown on his head with that early mistake from Inaki Pena. It was uncharacteristic of him. He usually doesn't make those mistakes. He's usually more steady than that. But he also righted the ship and was much, much better in the latter half of the first half and second half. And then some other things from the first half, and I'll let you, I'm going to throw these notes at you then, Rafa. You can either take them one by one or kind of decide where you want to go with it. You know, I'm going to hold off on the Bamayang and Kunde conversation. I think that's, those are, they're linked. But when it comes to Rafinha on the right, even without Dembele, you know, it was interesting to see him on the right where he's most comfortable. And a lot of the Barza attack against Man City was coming down that right wing between Rafinha, Kessier, Roberto, and Kunde. A lot of pressure being put on Man City's left side. And we also saw the pressure that Barcelona were bringing in that game through De Jong. He had uh, uh, two really, really bad giveaways. And, uh, you know, we saw over the weekend against Real Sociedad, he got burnt for it. But his pressure next to Busquets was much, much better than what it was. I mean, his position was a bit farther forward as well, and that helps. But you can clearly see night and day that that extra 20 yards that De Jong has moved up the field and that that lessened responsibility for De Jong is really important to getting a better De Jong out of him. And then Kessier is also very helpful to that. The pressure and his under, just how quickly Kessier picked up that, the spacing required of the pressure, especially next to Busquets, where sometimes very much like Messi, you know, it's easy to do what you're told, but it's very difficult to learn the intrinsicities of generational players, right? But Kessier seemed to really pick that up quickly. And De Jong, again, his pressure was just much better than when he was next to Gabi and Pedri. But also showing that Barcelona still can't play without Busquets. Like their best, the best version of Barca has Busquets on the field. And then finally, I, I just want to go over Sergio Roberto. I did not, I had forgotten. I did see it at the time, but he did lose his mother to ALS. So it was nice to see him start. It was nice to see him be a, fi- a major figure this week. And kind of when people question why he's a captain, he's not a captain because his mother, you know, was lost due to, to, to ALS. But in this moment, having him as a captain, it was just, uh, it was, it was nice to see. I mean, that's what I'll say. It was, it was nice to see him being a front facing figure for the club you know, and a front-facing figure for for the fight against that disease. But also on the field, I thought he was better than just fine. You know, he was just fine at times, but he was better than, than just fine. The assist to Memphis to get the draw was good. But I thought defensively, there was that move, and I think about the 30th minute between he and Kunde, just very patient on the ball. And, you know, Roberto is kind of what Xavi wants. As, as I keep saying, if Xavi could just have Sergio Roberto, but he's better, right? Just upgrade. Like if you could upgrade Sergio Roberto with Sergio Roberto, you would do that because that's who Xavi wants. And that's a good player. But unfortunately, yesterday against Man City, we might've seen his ceiling, the best of what he's capable of, because we saw against Ryan Vaccano, he it doesn't always work. That being said, no, I agree. I'll try and go quickly bit by bit. Obviously, the, the number one thing and the thing that I liked the most was obviously this was done for a to fight against a bad disease and to see how the camp no turned up for a, 
game like this, it was very touching to see. Seeing Juan Carlos Unzué in his wheelchair next to Pep Guardiola, that was another great touch that I liked. Uh, seeing Pedri and Araujo go up to him and all the other people that were there was also a nice touch. So again, that's to me the number one thing that Barcelona and Manchester City were able to gather such a great attendance during the middle of the season to raise awareness for this for this uh, disease. To me, that was amazing. And going to the sporting aspect of everything that I, that we saw, how at this, I love seeing Haaland at the camp. No, I ain't gonna lie, Dan. The All camp right, we, no applauding Haaland. Ah, they had me right there. And they were doing the Lord's work, applauding him, knowing, letting him know that we like him. And hopefully, I, I, I still believe, hopefully, that we will see him at the camp though eventually. So that was one quick thing that I wanted to mention because I was like, oh, yes, there we go. Right, man, Planting we, the seed. We disagree on that. I mean, <laughs> it seems like it was I, it was weird to me. Like the cheering for Holland was weird to me. Uh, and then, you know, he does that with the penalty. You know, I guess you could see why he chose City, you know, and why City, you know, have he cost so much for them in wages. He moves the needle for young fans. I mean, that's that's kind of the lesson to be learned from that is that he goes to the Spotify camp. No. And yeah, I mean, there's just tons of tourists. And apparently there was a lot of tourists at this game who wanted to contribute to the cause. And yeah, so from younger fans and tourists, he gets applauded. And he also gets a superstar call on the penalty. That was not a penalty. He, he, he sure did. Penalty. He sure oh. did. Um, yeah. And then I, I wanted to mention Kessie, like you said, obviously, Everybody that's listening, this we're putting an asterisk. We do know that it's a friendly. There were yeah. a bunch of players that don't play that we're playing and whatnot. But I just wanted to throw that out there because you mentioned it, that I do think we will see a lot of Frank Kessie in the upcoming weeks, considering one that I don't think Gavi is going through his best form at the moment. And on top of that, I do think that he will be a, valued rotation member of this team going forward. And I like what I saw from him. Um, well, on the point of Kessier, I feel mm -hmm. like he's shown already that his floor is higher than Gabi's floor. And there's, there's a thing about trust. And I think at this point, even though, even though Kessier is the new player and Gabi's been there before because of Gabi's age, because of how quickly he could be improving because of the things he still needs to learn. I feel like Kessier is kind of, hanging out waiting for that moment when Xavi goes hey we need to win games like these games matter let's put all this together it wouldn't surprise me to see Kessie against Bayern Munich instead exactly. of Gabi I think that's what I think Gabi's I mean Xavi's doing right now I think Xavi's putting Gabi out there we saw him now start the first two games of the season in the Liga to kind of play his way into feeling comfortable at 17 in the first team you know I think his mentality shows that he is his mentality last year showed that he was ready the lights are not too bright for him But again, I think that when he's lost in a game or can't find the game, like what he gives you is less than what Kessier's not say worst game gives you. But the warning signs I got from talking to AC Milan people was that, yeah, I mean, there were games where he pushes forward too much and he'll miss a, he'll miss some chances. I mean, he hit the post in that one even like he's very unlucky in front of goal. That was the scouting report I got. And he's so far in preseason and so far proven that to be true. But I, again, I think in Xavi's system, we're going to see even more of Frank Cassier than AC Milan fans even had. I think at AC Milan, you're allowed to take that extra touch or two. And the question was going to be, can Cassier move the ball quick enough? And so far it's been a resounding yes. He can, he can move the ball quick enough. He can start movements and he's, uh, he's fitting divinely in with the pressure that Xavi wants to put on the other, on the, the opponent. 
So yeah, I've been really, really impressed with Kessier. I'm waiting for his worst performance so I can kind of figure out what he's going to do wrong. Because right now it's just been very much like Christensen. I don't have much feedback for anybody. They've just been solid, just very solid with very high floors. I don't know what their ceilings are yet, but very high floors. And that again is what makes Barca a better team. Again, these are free transfers that just made the team better, unequivocally better. It's a good thing that we... We're not talking that much about Christensen because that means he's not doing anything wrong to begin with. So unless we talk about Christensen, it's just that he's doing okay as a defender or doing really good. And then the last thing I know you mentioned Sergio Roberto. He did have a good game. It was, a, again, really nice to see him as a captain because of sadly how he lost his mother to this um, disease. And he did have an amazing, in my opinion, assist to Memphis Depay, the way he brought that ball That was his chest and then um, hit the pass to Memphis, who just literally had to uh, slash it in. But I'll do say this as a midfielder, um, the minutes that he's been given, I think the last two games, like coming in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever that may be. I know against Rayo, he came in as a right back. Then I think maybe he moved up to the midfield a little bit. Then against the Real Sociedad, he came in and whatnot. But to me, because we do know what Sergi Roberto's floor is, what his ceiling is, we know everything about Sergi Roberto, what he is and what he isn't. Um, and I don't think that's going to change right now at his current. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So I would honestly, I would like to see those last 10 minutes, seven minutes and whatnot on a controlled game and whatnot. I would like to see Xavi give Pablo Torre those minutes instead of Sergi Roberto because we know what Sergi Roberto is, the good and the bad, whether you like him or you don't. So if it's like Sergi Roberto is not the present, he's not the future, I, I would like to see those 10 minutes to see what Paulo Torre could do because the same way Kuman now people were like, oh, it, Everybody would have done the same thing that Kuman did with giving Pedri minutes, putting Pedri in the starting lineup and whatnot. I would like Xavi to give here and there. I'm not saying start him. I'm not saying he's need to be the first sub or whatever. But literally, those Sergi Roberto minutes, I would rather see Paulo Torre getting those minutes in the midfield instead of Sergi Roberto to kind of see what we can expect from a young, young Paulo Torre this season going forward maybe he could help maybe we we see him and we're like nah he's clearly not ready to earn those minutes and he just needs to play Copa del Rey this season and whatnot but I want to see him to then be able to get a better overall feeling on what Pablo Torre or what we can expect from Pablo Torre instead of Sergi Roberto honestly well Pablo Torre is in an interesting spot now because He's not going to be going out on loan back to Racing Santander in the second division where he came from. Instead, he's going to be, they want him to play with Barca Athletic on weekends and basically just be a first teamer, train with the first team, be ready for a Copa del Rey start. And I would hope that looking at Callado from years ago, or what was it, two or three seasons ago now, right? When he made his debut, I believe against Elche or Celta in the end of the year. I, I want to see, I want to see Pablo Torre in the fall in the winter more than, you know, just thrown in at the end of the bench in the spring when a, little, a few more things are decided. But again, the hope is this season for Barca, things aren't decided and they, they're deciding their most important games in the, in the, in the spring. All right. Now, I think what is a pressing talking point to go over is Obama Yang, right? Because Obama Yang on the first goal in particular on that set piece from Afinia, 
he gets goals. You know exactly, you know, when we were talking about Roberto, you know exactly what they are. You know exactly what you're going to get from Obama Yang when you play him through the middle. How many minutes is he going to get through the middle with Lewandowski there when games matter? Now that's a good question. Is he less effective on the wing? Of course he is. And you also have other wing options to take time from Obama Yang. So if he's just playing on the wing and Lewandowski is eating up all the minutes up top uh, as, a, as a nine, then Obama Yang shouldn't be sitting around if he's, if he's worth 20 million euros to Chelsea, right? At this moment, it seems like he still has one foot out the door. And with the Memphis to Juve talks seemingly broken down, and now where's Memphis going to go? You've got one week to get him, get him gone. You know, I, you have heard conflicting things, but it's not even about the talent. Cause I think even last time you were on, you and I talked about Obama Yang. We talked about Memphis. I, as I said, like, I think I would take Memphis of Obama Yang, but also not like, I think Obama Yang, if Memphis left, I would feel, I think exactly the same. If anything, I think I'd be more calm because while I think Memphis can give more to Barcelona at his best, is he going to give his best as a fifth forward or the sixth forward when Obama Yang, whether he's your third forward or your fifth forward, again, you know exactly what you're getting from Obama Yang. And there's a sense of calm. Uh, in such a mercurial player. Yeah. So in the case of Obama Yang and Memphis, you know, I, I, it seems like all the reports are that this is needed to happen. They have to get the salary of Obama Yang off the books to get Kunde registered. Cause if not, he'd already be registered. And where are the, where else are you going to get that salary off your books? Because even Dest, Dest only makes, I think three mil. So that's not enough. Apparently the number is 20 and the league has also stepped in and said, I, we love watching your levers. We love watching you get revenue. But the only way that you can now register any more players, here's the hard line, is you have to get rid of salary. That's the only, the only acceptable thing to do. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because, again, I, I think Aubameyang is a good player. But at this point, I think Barcelona just need him to go to Chelsea so that they can get Koundé in. It seems like Koundé can only be registered if that's the case. Yeah, this is, uh, this is strictly a finite financial decision because having... Pierre Emerick Obama Yang as your backup striker, that would be amazing. But sadly, he earned a lower salary that first, that half, I mean, second half of the season when he came in. But then his salary was going to skyrocket this upcoming season. And if we hadn't gotten Lewandowski, then yeah, it would have made sense, whatever. Yeah, he's earning a lot, but he's also our starting number nine. But right now, He's not going to be. So are we going to pay him whatever that the 20 million? Uh, I don't know if that was net or um, or gross. I think that was gross, but whatever. Let's say it, it was 20 million gross approximately. That's just a lot for your backup striker. And then if in, a, in an ideal scenario that we maybe could have done that, if our finances would have been good, but they're not. So we need to do this. He needs to be quote unquote sacrificed sadly in order to register Kunde because we need to register Kunde. And yeah. then on top, it's, it's it, like strictly from a financial standpoint, he came in free. So it's going to be a great financial um, thing that the board is going to do. But sporting wise, of course it would be better if he just stays And if Lewandowski, cross our fingers, gets hurt or suspended, we can just plug in Pierre Medico Bamayang. But this is not FIFA. This is real life. And Barcelona are in a bad economic situation right now, thanks to Bartomeu, thanks to COVID and whatnot. And it's just a matter of, it's just, it is what it is. Sadly, he needs to be sacrificed in order to register Kunde 
and maybe register a fullback, whether it's a right back or a left back, if someone comes in at the end. And yes, I do agree that this, another even, thing, even even like a free transfer of Hector Bellerin, like that's, exactly. that's the level we're talking. We're not even talking like 40 million euros of transfer money for Juan Foyth. I'm saying like, or even if they got him in a discount for like 25, I'm saying like Hector Bellerin, like on a free. Coming yeah. In. Yeah. And that, that that's that's literally the ugly truth. That's the reality of FC Barcelona right now. So it, it, it pains me to, to see him go away. Like I, that half season, I think he won over a lot of Kules with everything, with his goals. Uh, I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. So his celebration at the camp at the Bernabeu was just amazing, even though I'm team Vegeta, but whatever. It was amazing to see. And then his goal, his well, his quote unquote celebration after the goal he scored at the uh, against Manchester City, it kind of seemed like a farewell celebration. Like he was kind of sad. Like you could see him a little bit, even though technically nothing has been agreed upon uh, Chelsea and Barcelona yet. But it, it, it seems like, like you said, he's just literally almost a foot and a half out the door. And then Memphis. It seemed like he had everything done with Juve. Uh, according to reports, he was asking then for more money and whatnot. Juve moved up, moved on from him. So I don't know what's going to happen with Memphis. And then I think he's going to eventually, he's gonna just going to go. We're going to, he's going to go somewhere because at the end of the day, and I was talking to uh, with this, uh, about this with Julio. If we know the financial uh, situation of the club right now. I know we know that Obama Yang sadly needs to go. Memphis needs to go as well. So if we pay whatever that amount was for Ferran, 50, 55, 60 with add-ons, I, I, whatever that may be, then, hey, Ferran Torres could be our backup number nine, even though he's not a classic number nine and whatnot. But, hey, we do... That's, if we pay that amount for him, we might as well try him as our backup striker if well, Lewandowski's not playing. That, I'm glad you brought up Aaron Torres because the way that he's playing right now, Jared Pique should be the backup striker because he's not doing anything sitting on the bench. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. But when, when it, well, yeah, but when it comes to Kunde, you know, against Man City, I'm not concerned at all. I, I think, you know, the mistake he made or whatever, like it just, he probably has, again, not being registered on his mind. You just hope for the players' per, uh, purposes, for Xavi's purposes, and for this team, you know, I would predict the way that this the lineup has gone so far that Xavi's most let's say he sticks with a 4-3-3. Though again, all indications are that with Kunde in the mix, you're going to see a lot more three at the back. You're going to see a lot of Garcia, Christensen, Araujo, you know, and Kunde, you know, you got to get at least three of those guys on the field pretty much every game. But I could see if it's a strict back four that Alba, Eric Garcia, Kunde and Araujo is his most used back four at the end of the year. The way it seems like Xavi wants to play so far. And so I'm not really worried about Kunde. I'm worried about registering Kunde, Jules Kunde because again, until it's done, it's not really done. You know, so you, it, as as much as you get the sense that it will get finished at the end of the, the by the, the end of the transfer window, still it's not done. On the on the case of Fair and Torres, though, while Kunde, I felt like again his performance is so friendly. He's not really playing. I throw that away. Fair and Torres clearly. You and I have discussed many times what we know that Fair and Torres is the player that is in there. The player that is, you know, healthy or has a, a good foot that that works as it did not all summer. But the good news is that he's a salvageable player. I know you and I agree on that. But right now, I think we can admit that he is in need of saving, that he is completely lost at this point coming back into this team. He's not maybe he's not ready, but clearly he looked a bit lost at times last year, but he was still putting in goals and assists. 
And until he does that, until there is some end product, I mean, he really is lost. The one thing I will say, though, at this point, you know, Dest wasn't even lost because, I mean, Xavi threw him out, right? <laughs> he, he closed the door on him. But throughout the course of a season, there will always be one or two players in the squad that are either not getting the playing time they deserve. You know, Ricky Pooj got to be that player for a long time. And Roberto might have been that player last year if he was healthy, but he wasn't healthy the whole year, so you didn't really have to worry about him. So Ferran Torres, unfortunately, and I, I think people are going to keep bringing up the 55 million euro price tag. And I think that we go back to it, but that was because Barcelona were desperate at the time to bring in any help in January before they knew the other dominoes that were going to fall. Like he was the first one. They, they were desperate for a young forward to go out and get one, somebody for their future. And Ferran Torres is a really, really good player. And I think Kool-Aid's are already out on him. But I will say again, Ferran Torres, it might take till February or March, but I think there's a good enough player in that he will have his time. It might be November, but I, again, I think for the next two months, I think the next time you're on too, I'm, we're going to be doing the same song and dance with Ferran Torres. He's, he's lost right now. It's going to be a long time before he gets saved because again, you have Ansu, you have Dembele, you have Rafinha, you have Lewandowski and you have results to be gotten. You do not have time to rescue Ferran Torres the way that Kuman didn't have an option to try to, well, actually, no, it was after. Yeah, it was Xavi, Xavi. But Xavi last year, even in the spring, he didn't really have the option to, to try to save Farron, but Farron was, even at his semi-lost state, an upgrade to, to Jukla and, and Abde. No offense to those two players, right? But they weren't ready for prime time the way that even a lost Farron Torres is. But yeah, I, it's unfortunate, but I'm just hoping that he's a player that can be found. And I'm going to double down on the fact that, you know, it's not the end of Farron Torres. It's not rest in peace to Farron Torres at Barcelona, like some are saying that he was not worth his number, that Julian Alvarez is better and Man City paid for him with a fan, Ferran Torres money. And it's a big joke and a big meme at all times. No, but Ferran Torres is a Barcelona player and he's a very good player at that. And it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to recapture who he is. But it's going to take weeks or months. It might take a while. The thing with Ferran is we got to have in mind, this is his preseason right now. He didn't have a preseason because of that foot injury. So... It shows that he's not match fit. Like things are just not clicking for him. Like whether it's a bad touch, a bad pass, a bad shot, and whatnot, he just seems out of rhythm. And I think that's totally understandable because he didn't have a preseason. On top of that, I guess that comparisons are not great. And sadly for him, even though he didn't play against Rayo Vallecano, but against Real Sociedad. He was taken out, Ansu Fati came in, and we know that Ansu Fati's touched by a golden wand. And it was night and day when he was out and Ansu Fati came in. So comparisons are A-B. And sadly, if everybody's healthy, Ansu Fati and Lewandowski are fixed starters, in my opinion. Then on the right side, it's basically American Idol casting. Who is going to be the guy on that right wing, whether it's I, Rafinha, I was, him, I was always worried you were going to make a Ruben Stutter, Clay Aiken reference <laughs> and really, really date the two of us. Uh, <laughs> let people know how old we are. But yeah, I do. I do remember him um, and Kelly Clarkson. Um, but I do. I don't know. Hey, I'll say this. I don't know. I do think if Ansu Fati is healthy, he is the guy on that left wing-ish cutting inside, playing alongside Lewandowski more often than not. Obviously, Lewandowski is a starter up from. And then on that right, to me, that the question remains. And that's one of the things I'm most looking forward this season because 
I want to see if either Ferran, Dembele, or Rafinha are going to take that next step and be like, this is my spot. I'm the right winger on this team. Or if we're just going to get a carousel of either those three players throughout the entire season, and Xavi's just going to play whoever he thinks works best in this match or is in the best current form. So to me, Ferran is going to have to figure out a way to be great as a right winger. And then when Lewandowski is not playing, hopefully that's not the case, but if Lewandowski is not playing, he could gel as that false nine yeah. that, with the other three wingers in that position. To me, that's, needs to be his mindset because if Ansu Fati is healthy, he's not playing on that left side. If Lewandowski is healthy, he's not playing up front. So if he wants to play with both of them, it's on the right wing and that's it. Or it's as a sub. He, he, and he doesn't seem to be a player. Ferran Torres does not seem to be a player that has ever fit comfortably as a substitute. He can't do what Ansu Fati does, who, who scores a goal every 92 minutes or whatever it is, right? Like every time he's touching the field, you're expecting him to, to score. And Ferran Torres is not that player. So yeah, a lot of pressure on him. And speaking of players that once were something, but unfortunately he wasn't saved. And that is Samuel Titi. But finally his career might be saved. So our final thing today, real quick here, we say goodbye for now and probably forever to Samuel Titi. He goes on loan to Lecce, who were recently promoted to Serie A. And apparently Barca will pay the majority of the salary, but Leche will pay a little and there will be playing bonuses as well. So Barcelona will get something, something from the existence of Samuel Umtiti. Now, again, he did the, the big honor of lowering his salary as much as he did to help Barcelona in January when they needed it. So, you know, I think as awful as it is, I as, as tough as this is going to be to say, and I'm going to get some hate for this, I don't view his time at Barcelona as an, as a complete failure. I think his two very successful seasons were good seasons, like really, really, really good seasons. And then he was hurt four years ago and he's just never really been on the field. And since he got hurt, he's had what, I mean, I guess he's had six or seven really, really bad matches every time he tries to come back. Um, but the fact that he then made the, the choice to lower his salary when he did to help artists to register players in January and save them when he did. And then now going out on loan and, you know, not good enough player to get anything from it. But I, I don't know. I, I think there is a universe where he, I guess I'm already backtracking. Hold on. Just, just sit tight. I'm going to backtrack. His playing career at Barcelona was an abject failure. There we go. <laughs> there we go. We got it right. But I, I think as far as how I remember him, he, it's not like he held, I mean, yes, he did for a few weeks there, but it's not like he held the club hostage to him as a player. It's not like he ever seemed to be a problem in the locker room. It's not like he ever seemed to be destructive to what was happening to the team, right? Like you never heard a word about Umtiti talking bad about Xavi or his teammates, or you never heard a peep out of him. It was just always, I'm trying to get back on the field. That's all it was. It just seemed like he made the wrong decision, but he made the wrong decision to win a World Cup. And, you know, it's like anybody who makes a bad decision, but it's a decision that you have to make. It's the one you live with. And it was a good decision for them that for him then. And it's been a bad decision for the rest of his career. Like, We'll have to see 10 years, 20 years down the road if he would have done it the same way, right? Like, would he have done it again? He made life-changing money and he won a World Cup. Um, and, you know, he didn't, he wasn't who he needed to be for Barca. And again, once you play for Lecce, like, I don't think there's a road back for him, you know, especially with his knees. So yeah, his career, his playing career, yeah, an abject failure. 
And they, it was such a promising start. That hurts because of how good he was in the first two years. But yeah, to not play for four years, I guess that's an abject failure. But again, overall, you know, I, I think it it could have been worse. It, it, it honestly, it could have been worse. Like these situations at other clubs turn out way worse than they did for Umtiti. Honestly, I, I'm torn with Umtiti because I had so much faith in him when he first got here. You should have. You're a good player. It was a bargain, 20, 25 million from Olympic Lyon. I wanted. I didn't want to see Mascherano as our center back again. And he was my hope. And eventually he did that. He took that starting spot. And to me, when before that injury or he played through that injury in the 2018 World Cup, that knee injury, he was arguably top five, top three center backs in Europe, in my opinion. No, I mean, mean, there were seats on this podcast. People could go back to, I mean, it must be what episodes like the, uh, what 40 right like around there 35 40 we're 384 now but or 385 now but yeah like episode 30 through 40 i remember i got pushback because i was like at the moment i was like is ter stegen a top five or top three goalkeeper at the moment he was was messi the best player in the world still yes he was there was no argument and was umtiti a top five center back along with rafa varan yes he was. The answer is the answer is a resounding no. And then he was going to be arguably what the, the, our starter for the next decade. Like pace, he could play out from the back, could defend, anticipate. He was just perfect for us. And then to me, that's that's why I'm torn within because I I loved him, but when he was fit, and then to me, I was let down. Not because I I do understand that it's a World Cup. You want to win. You want to play. And whatnot. And he did win a world cup but it was his attitude about his recovery like i don't forget that the club wanted him to get surgery he didn't want to get surgery he opted for a conservative approach that never worked and then it it never worked at that at the moment and it never worked after that because he never got a surgery i mean i mean you guys want to play though i think it's a lot of bad luck for it to go as bad as it did i mean same thing with ansu was gone for two years like there's I mean, surgery isn't even if the club recommended it, you know, there's mistakes that are made in, in medical diagnosis and you, you never know how one's body is going to respond. You know, no, I, I agree I, I to, know. to a certain point, but if the club, like clearly his weight never worked and it clearly ended his career because the times that he came in, it's not like he was a little bit bad. He was horrible. He looked like a retired player playing in the pickup game. Like he was just, like he, like Eddie Garcia looks like Usain Bolt next to uh, Umtiti right now. Like it was, it was hard to watch and painful. Yeah. And then yeah. the salary, I honestly, I don't forget that. Yeah, at the end, he stretched his salary. So I think we could register Ferran and whatnot. But there were a bunch of times, especially after he got that renewal with Bartomeu, that Barcelona wanted to loan him out. And he was playing hardball because he just wanted to go to like a, cha- a team that played Champions League. And it was like, dude, like, you're horrible right now. You're probably not going to be able to get a Champions League team to sign you and whatnot. And it was he was always playing horrible and making it difficult for the ex-board and this one up until the end. Now, yeah, like he stretched his salary, what was it, in January and whatnot. But honestly, I, I'm a little bit like I don't forget how that last part of his – contract i don't have fond memories of it so to me i'm torn that's why that's why i want i want to get at that some things i do remember him fondly 
and other things i'm like ah it's just it's just i don't have fond memories of him obviously i wish him well in lecce hopefully he gets back to a decent level I mean, we like, want him to play for those bonuses exactly like hopefully he plays good enough to do- get those bonuses and maybe who knows he gets obviously i don't think like you said he's gonna get back to that top level but maybe he gets back to a reasonable level and we're able to at least sell him for five million or something like that that's that's all i'm asking about him titi but yeah that's i just It's a sensitive subject for me, uh, Dad. Umtiti is a sensitive subject, so I, I needed to get that uh, off my chest. Well, that's probably the final goodbye to him, right? He's been in our lives now for almost, of course, this entire <laughs> podcast. So that's a, pretty much the final goodbye to St. Umtiti. And we'll give our, not final goodbye, we'll be back early next week with a with another show probably on next Tuesday to talk about the the game over the weekend that against Real Madrid Elite. So in the meantime, though, make sure after that game you tune in to especially if you're a Spanish speaker to Mescate One podcast, check him out uh, on Twitter, on YouTube. Like he, he's he's got what you need. Again, those press conferences for Xavi, translations, reactions that's coming from Rafa. And then we are everywhere. The Barcelona podcast, you know where to find us. And we have a lot of cool stuff in the show notes below as well. Um, as if you're still looking for a, a way to watch, we'll say some of the Catalan football that you might not have access to. Usually we have a deal from earlier in the week from NordVPN. So go back to the earlier show, to the show notes, and you follow that with our affiliate link. And we have a special deal there with a subscription to NordVPN. All right, so that'll wrap it up for that one. I also have a week to work on the grades for the summer transfer window. And I can tell you that right now, again, it's very, very high. But if Kunde isn't registered, I think you know the it goes down quite a bit. That, that final grade for the transfer window goes down quite a bit if Kunde isn't registered. But we'll have to see. And just let very much like he's done now for what a solid year. We just got to let Alamani work and, and, and trust that he's going to figure it all out. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. For the Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.